Has someone ever asked you, what is your view? Maybe you're talking about something concerning politics, something concerning finances, maybe even something as simple as raising children, and someone would say to you, what is your view? How do you see that? Maybe you're in a conversation with somebody that you love, or maybe perhaps that you're talking about things and all of a sudden they say to you, I don't view it that way. So there's a difference sometimes in the way that we view things. Um, I think about the TV show called The View. It was created in 1997 by Barbara Walters. You remember her? the daytime talk show host. But today it consists of women like Whippy Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg, however you say her name, Joy Bayer, Behar, Sonny Hostin, Megan McCain, Abby Hudsman. And each of these ladies seem to be able to give to their audience their view. I don't think it's the view. I think it's a view. I think it's a flawed view. And I think they should change it to the spew (laughs) instead of the view. But I'm concerned because if you tell people the wrong thing long enough, they may start to believe it. And I, I think that as we deal with our culture and the way that people view things, we need to speak up because people in this world, view things differently, and so there's going to be different views of opinion. But when it comes to the world view, it will be established with humanistic philosophies or biblical truth. And doesn't it irritate you when you're in a situation where you really want to tell them the biblical truth, they're trying to tell you a humanistic philosophy that's flawed, and it's a lie, and it, and it it may just irritate you at times that you want to say something. Maybe in the break room at work. Maybe it's in the library when you're listening to people talk and you're just maybe reading a book. Or maybe you're in public place, like Woodman's or someplace, and you hear somebody say something that's not true and you want to speak up. I think we need to speak up. I think it's, it's necessary that we say something regarding what is true. And so when it comes to really having these two ways that we can see things, how do we address it? And how can we continue on? And how can we show others really what is true? But what is, what is causing us to see things the way we do? Really, what is the root of your view? Is it biblical? Or is something else going on in your life? Maybe you don't agree, young person, with your parents. Maybe you're seeing things through your own philosophy or your own intellect. And maybe that has not necessarily been polished yet. Maybe you aren't mature enough to question your father or your mother. I have a philosophy in this, and I'm going to step away from the mic because I'm just going to take a little rabbit trail here. I really believe that we're entering into a day and age when people don't reverence the Lord in our country anymore. I think the Lord's Day is just another day off for many. 
And I think what's happening is that the parents are raising children and the, and the children looking to the parents and the, and the children are not seeing a reverence to God from the parents. So then the children are saying, why should I reverence my parents? Why should I honor my parents? If my dad doesn't honor the Lord, my mom and dad don't honor the Lord, they don't show reverence, they talk about everybody, they talk about the pastor, they go on talking about this person, and this thing is flawed. And then the, and the, and the children see that, and the grandchildren see that, and they're saying, just, just like with Moses dealing with this, you know, as they talk, talk against him at times. I'm not talking about me personally, because I know of nothing, but I'm talking about giving reverence to what needs to be given reverence to. And showing honor where honor is due. And so we're missing this in our country. And I think one of the elements is moms and dads, you need to raise your children in a reverent way. To honor the Lord. To speak of His holiness. To speak of His awesome character. To be able to say that He is impeccable. To say that He is immutable. To say that our God is high and lifted up. This is what Isaiah was doing in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Is lifting Him up. And so as we think about this today, I think that one of the areas that we could actually help our homes and help our churches is if we would reverence God in our homes and every day of the week talk about Him and pray and have devotions with the children. I think that's absolutely essential. But I think it's important for us to kind of understand our culture a little more and what we can do to help it. That's why I think it's important for us to go back to some of these basic passages as we talk about our vision for 2020 and having that insight, that focus, and to zoom in to what is necessary. Scopao is the word when we mark something or we, we put our eyes upon it. Scopao, scoping in on it. So maybe mark those that cause division. That, that term is used, but the word scopao is the word used there for mark. But we would actually mark in our Bibles areas that we need to look at and say, am I being what God wants me to be? I've heard, I've heard so much recently. I was witnessing to a, to a young lady. Uh, her name is Tiffany. Um, it was Jim Hitt's nurse. And I said, Tiffany, you've been in this now, this area here. She works at St. Mary's as a nurse. And, and uh, Dawn was with me, and Juanita was with me. And I said, You've been up from Chicago now. Where do you attend church? They said, I, didn't, I don't attend church. You know. But I need to. And I had a little trouble in the church I was at, and the, the pastor had an affair and so on, and, and I just feel like I, I just can't get into church anymore. And so I teach my kids at home. Isn't that a horrible thing? What's happening in our society and our culture? Because we don't truly reverence the Lord as leaders, as parents, as grandparents, as pastors and leaders. And, and I think it's important for us to truly remember that we have an audience of one, and that is God. And, and I thought about giving a message on how he views you. How do you view him? How do you look at him? How do you see him? I think it's important for us to have a healthy view of God. I believe Tiffany will visit us soon. I told her, here's a church, Grace Baptist Church, and, and I just happened to have a couple of members there that were encouraging her to come. And, and I want people to be able to come to a church where they're reverencing God on Sunday. It's not one big party all weekend. It's a time where we set aside for God. 
And I really believe that when he is honored in the right way and when he is worshipped and when he is given and we give him our time and our reverence, I believe he is pleased with that. He has been giving you your heir all these years. Shouldn't you look to him? Think about how that he's provided for you and he's provided for me. I remember one time when I had a friend, his name was Manuel Canales. Didn't have anything for Christmas. And how that he was driving down the road and many of you won't agree with me on this, but by accident he had, he hit a raccoon and so he took it in and got got money for it, $35 for that. So he had $35 for Christmas. He thought that was really good. He turned around and was heading home and this farmer flagged him down and says, I got this pig I just butchered. I got all this ham and everything in here. Can you take some of it with you? I thought to myself how God was providing for him. And, and Manuel told me, I, I just look at God as being like a, like, a, like a big grandpa that I can just crawl up in his lap and talk to him and hug on him. And, you know, and, and I was just out of the Marine Corps, so I didn't look at that as like, I didn't view God that way. But what he was telling me was that I view God in a very, very special way as someone who is going to provide for me and care for me in times of trouble. That's been many, many years ago, and Manuel's doing good, raised his family and so on. But he had a heart to understand who God is, and God constantly provides for you and for me. This is how big God is. I mean, can you imagine this as we look at the scriptures and, and read these verses? In verse number one, it's talking about how we, we view God and how he, the vision that he saw. And I think this, this morning, I think it's important that we understand. I, I titled it, Be Thou My Vision, but I could title it The View. The view that you need and the view that I need. How big is your God? If you think about Job and the situation with him and all that he went through, and, and he was righteous before God, he did what was right, what healthy and was honoring the Lord, but he went through all kinds of troubles because God wanted to increase his understanding of who he was. Not only to Job, but to you and me. And he expanded in his view of God. And then his view of God got bigger and bigger. And that's why it's important for us to not to shy back from troubles that we have. Because during those troubles is, is when God begins to, to help us understand how big he is. You, you don't understand and have that proper view with pride. You can't have it. Because you have this magnified self. And we need to magnify him. Because he is high and lifted up. If you look at verse number, I want to just start out by saying he had an incredible sight. What a sight. In, in verse number one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting. It's interesting if we look at the word sitting here, because it's really is talking about that he's finished something. <laughs> that he's finished, like, like he's the king overseeing things. But it's not just being above them but an overseeing. Did you know that he's high and above all governments and all of that? We understand. But he is high above, not only above, but also over. And he, nothing happens unless he approves it. I was thinking about this difficulty that our country is going through right now with the president and his inability to speak properly and inability to, to speak tenderly and humbly. He's got an issue there. But he's not the only problem. There's a problem on the other side. 
There's a problem with wanting to run the country their way. And he's wanting to run the country the way the country was designed to be run. And can I say this, that this country was never supposed to run in the hands of those that are unsaved. So we pray that our president would be saved. We pray that the Congress would be saved. We pray that these people would come to the Lord. But what America needs is the right view. They need, a, they need an experience like an Isaiah 6 experience and this, 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 this concentration on the Lord here where I saw the Lord and it says he is sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I think it's interesting when we think about him sitting upon the throne. What does this throne look like? The throne of God. We can read in Revelation chapter 4, verse number 5. The Bible gives us another description of him sitting upon the throne. But as we think about him on the throne, I think, first of all, we need to understand that it is the throne of glory. The Bible says really clearly, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And so this throne that he's sitting upon is the throne of glory. And nobody can sit upon that throne but him. And it's interesting as we think about being the throne of glory that we look at it being high and lifted up above the heavens. As the psalmist said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth and babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest, what, still the enemy in the And when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Isn't it interesting when we think about God, we think about him sitting upon his throne high and lifted up. And Isaiah saw that. Do you view God this way? Do you you view God as being high up above over all things? I think your view of God determines things. I said that your vision determines your mission. You've got to have a vision before your mission. You've got to have a vision before the commission of who God is and what he's accomplished for you. As we think about him, the throne of glory, we also think about him as the throne of government. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, and Counsel, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When we think about his throne high and lifted up, it is the throne of glory, but it is also the throne of government. Nobody is above God. He is the final, he has the final say, And whenever it comes out on Wednesday, regardless of what political position you have when they vote, and when we hear the the State of the Union address that's going to happen Tuesday night, remember this, that God is all in all, and he is high and lifted up. America's wonderful, but our God is greater, and his kingdom is greater. And in his kingdom, there is no end. And in order to enter into his kingdom, you must know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Is there a time in your life where you've come to know him? It's a throne of glory, a throne of government, but it's also a throne of grace. The Bible says really clearly in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. What a sight. Look what it says again in verse number 1. And it says here that I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. What a sight. It's interesting as we look at this because I've never seen the Lord's throne. I've never seen angels. These really, the seraphims are the burning ones. And to hear their swishing sound and so on there up above, the sight of it would be incredible to see this happening. I've, I've seen pictures of this, but I've never experienced this particular sight. Do you want to have a a good vision of God, a good view of God? Turn to the scriptures. If you say, well, I want to see what heaven's like, turn to the fourth and fifth chapter of, of the book of Rome, of book of Revelation. It gives us the best description. And we know how heaven's going to be like someday for us. We look forward to that. But in heaven, there is the Lord high and sitting upon the throne because his work has been completed. I think about how that this was an incredible sight. He gives us the description of it. Look at verses 3 and 4. What a sound. Look at verse number 3. And one cried upon another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. What a What a sight. Not not only a a sound, but also this incredible sight. I think it's important for us to note note this. If you look at your Bibles, you see verse number three. It says, and one cried unto another. And so there was this crying out by these seraphims, not toward the Lord, but toward each other. That he is holy. The, the Bible tells us, let it not only be in earth and heaven, but also in earth and be in heaven. Remember this, that we ought to praise him and we ought to call him holy. He is holy to one to another. I think it's important for us to tell each other how wonderful God is. God loves that. The angels are doing it. They're crying one to another, holy, holy, holy. The angels are speaking that to each other about God. There's a communication going on. And so it's, it's wonderful to sit down and talk to people. We were last night at the house. I had my, my, uh, my son and, of course, my grandsons live across the street. And they came over. And, and we, we had this time where we were thanking the Lord. We had a wonderful meal. They, they had a shower for my daughter in love, of course. And then when that was all done, we had a big meal. Uh, my wife must be drained today and tired, you know. But we were, we were having this wonderful time of praising the Lord. We thank him. He's been so good. It's not a bad thing to talk to one another about about the Lord. It's a good thing. How good has God been to you? I really believe your vision and your view of God determines how you are going to sing. How are you going to praise him? As we think about this, also we see in verses 5 and 8, Then said I, woe is me. But I want you to look at this. It says, I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the, with the tongs from off the altar. The problem, really, with, with Isaiah, 
And, and how he felt after he had a proper view of God was that he was unworthy to do anything for God. If you ever come to the place where you think you're worthy enough, it's when your ministry is over. Because you're going to start relying upon your talents and your abilities, and God will remove you from that place. I really believe, without a shadow of a doubt, God desires to use broken vessels that are humble enough to admit, I can't go any further without him. And this is what Isaiah said. I, am an, I have unclean lips, and I dwell upon a bunch of people. Of, do you think that's our day and age? It is. But you know what? God took care of that. Took a coal from off the altar and touched his lips and cleansed him. Yeah, there was this concentration on the Lord, but there was also this confession. I agree with with you, God. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is the problem that I have. I remember when, when I gave my heart to Christ... And I said, every chamber of my, of my heart now is yours. I was saved at the age of seven. You've all heard my testimony. But I was in a, an, a, an old-fashioned type setting, the revival meetings, and Dave Jaspers was preaching. And, and I went forward to a little church, and I knelt down right here at the altar at that church. And I said, Lord, here's every chamber of my heart. Would you forgive me? But here's what I told the Lord. I have no talents. I have nothing to offer you. Nothing. Nothing but a voice. And if you want to use it for you, I'll do it. You see, a lot of times you think the pastor had this big calling and all of these talents and stuff. And maybe that's true among some pastors, and maybe some men have more talents than, than uh, the average. But you're looking at a person that has none. Uh, I was a drywaller's son. I had a paper out in this city, made some money, went to work at McDonald's, went through the failed, fell down, sinned, did all kinds of things. Joined the Marine Corps, tried to go into the ministry again, had all kinds of troubles. But you know what? There's one thing I have. It's a desire to please the Lord and to do His will. I have no talents other than a voice that I want to use for Him. And you know what? That's what God uses, is people to say, Lord, I I don't have any abilities. Without you, I can do nothing. There's too much pride among us. There's too much pride. Sometimes God humbles people. I don't think I've ever told you the story, but I'm going to tell you it. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I struggled. I struggled with a lot of things, but I never lost my Bible. I used to take it and put it on my chest at night so I could fall asleep. But I remember being there one evening, all alone, not really being able to reason well, I got up and I couldn't even tie my shoes. I forgot how to tie them. Can you imagine that happening to you? You would think your life's over. There's nobody that's going to be able to help you. I went to the doctors and I asked them, you know, is there something that's wrong with me? What can I do? But you know what happened, folks? The Lord was using that to humble me. Sitting there, not being able to even tie my shoes, didn't know how to put my clothes on. It's a very humbling time. 
I don't know how many years ago that's been, probably maybe 30, 38 years ago. It's probably April 1983. But I'll tell you what, the Lord has been so gracious to me to restore unto me. I'm able to memorize verses. Sometimes I struggle with, with your name. Sometimes I struggle with other things. I'm not perfect. But this I do. I rely upon one thing, and that is God, to help me day by day. Not a day goes by that I don't wake up and say, Lord, now help me today. Help my mind to be able to help others. Keep me on track spiritually. There's times when I go through valleys that are maybe a little more darker than others. There are times when I'm quickened and I'm so, I'm so moving around. I mean, in those times, I always want to go to my office and close the door and say, Lord, it's not my geniusness. It's not my abilities. It's nothing. I don't have anything to offer you. I really believe this was Isaiah's case. And God used him greatly because of the humility he had. And I am unclean. And God came and cleaned him up and used him. In fact, the willingness comes out if you look at verse number 6. It says in verse number 6, And then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquities is taken away. Thy sin is purged. Listen to this. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. I'll go now. I've already admitted I I, I have nothing to offer you, but I'll go. You know what's happening here? The vision before the commission. And many times we go through life not even knowing what we're supposed to do because we haven't really sought the Lord yet. We want to do it our way. And and maybe you're in that point right now where you don't know what you're going to do in the future. Can I tell you this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God will show you. God will provide for you. But trust him. Trust him. And I think about this passage, and I know that there is a great sight here and a great sound, but what ascending. Ascending to his people. Look at verse number 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. This is the heart of the people. Make the heart of the people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and utter, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. And then said I, Lord, how long? And he said, Until the cities be wasted, without habitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. men far away, and there be a, a great forsaking in the midst of the land. How long, Lord, until the cities are desolate? How long should I go until there's no, no people in the cities anymore? Folks, I really believe that the commission, the great commission, is still before us, but less and less are going because their vision is the view of this world rather than the view that God has for them. And I know this morning there may be somebody here that's saying, Pastor, would you please pray for me that I could actually understand more of what God has for my life. I could pray for you, but the best thing you can do is get into the Scriptures and see what God has for you. Yield to Him. Say, Here I am, Lord. 
Maybe you're here this morning and and you've never understood salvation completely. You came to church looking for maybe a friend or maybe coming to maybe say, say, I can take something with me. But let me just share this with you, that if you've never, ever opened your heart to Jesus Christ, you're not saved. And this morning, in order to have a proper mission in life, the first thing you need to do is accept Christ as your personal Savior. He, he allowed you to be born. He allowed you to be born in a wonderful place. But friends, I'm concerned of one thing this morning, and I'm concerned about the pride of America. So I was watching the last, this last week, and all the news people, and ha-ha, we won, and ha-ha, they're losing, and all that. It's just so sad. America is in a, is in a really bad spot, place right now. And the only way that we'll ever be able to get out of this is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And turn back and say, what made America great? The pulpits did and the preaching of God's word did. It wasn't because of the bravery of the men that went overseas or there was a lot of them that did. It was because we were doing the best we could to give a proper view of who God is to this dying world. This is kind of a different message for me this morning, you know. But I'm telling you, folks, this is something that we absolutely need to do is continue to get the word of God out to the lost. We need to consider missions. We need to consider doing more for the Lord instead of holding back. But it begins with the proper view of who God is. I think about how that sometimes people will will study things, um, different religions. They'll study this and study that. I I just want to study the Bible so that... I, when I hear the, an untruth, no, it's not the truth. I know what the truth says. That's not the truth. I need to have a proper view of who God is, and things change. You have a proper view of God in your family, proper view of, your, of God at, at the workplace. It will help you. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, Go ahead and close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't have a proper view of God. Maybe you'd say, you know, I've I've never received him. I never knew how to receive him. And maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life more than ever. And just as maybe somebody giving a testimony and saying, well, I I did this at one time and I prayed, but now I believe God is wanting me to surrender full time. Every chamber of my heart to him. Won't you do that today? And just for a moment, while your eyes are closed and I'm talking to you, let me ask you a question. If you die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Are you sure of it? John wrote, these things I write unto you that you may know you have eternal life. So the Bible actually says that we can know for sure. Maybe you grew up in this church. Maybe you've been in this church as a deacon, as a helper for years, but you still don't know for sure. I'll pray for you, and I can show you from the scriptures. But this morning, maybe that's you, and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I don't have the proper view of God because I have never received Christ as my Savior. But I need to. Is there anyone who would say, pray for me? 
I need to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to ask him to come into my life. Is there anyone like that? Lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your soul, dear friend, and you are saved, but you're not surrendered. You're holding back. Maybe that's the case, and you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I've got some fears. I'm saved, but I haven't given Christ everything. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? I'm saved, but I have not given it all to him. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You put your hands down. I'm going to give an invitation, just an old-fashioned invitation. If you'd like to come and kneel down here and pray, if you need to pray with me, I'll be up here. But if you just want to come and use the altar this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you please stand and no one looking around? Let's, let's have the piano begin to play softly. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then the, and then the, and then the piano will begin. Father, allow your Holy Spirit to work. We yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen. stanza maybe right there in the pew you'd say Lord I I want a proper view and vision of you would you give it to me high and lift it up seated we have some business to take care of okay if I could ask uh, Clinton King to come forward uh, so you heard his testimony a few weeks ago but uh, he uh, he didn't get saved again since then but he was <laughs> he was we found out he was actually uh, our church doesn't automatically uh, have people become a member when they get baptized. So Clinton uh, was uh, attending here anyway. He realized he wasn't. Uh, remember, somebody asked him, "said Aren't you going to go forward?" And so uh, we just want to present him. We 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 just met with him this morning. He read our constitution and he wants to join with us. So if I could have a uh, someone make a motion to that effect, uh, 
Brother Aaron, and a second. Um, so, um, Sister uh, Audrey. So I've been having trouble with names. Um, remember to pray for Michelle Clater. I prayed for her last night, and I couldn't think of her name in Sunday school to pray for her for her decision leaving China. But um, So all in favor of bringing Clinton King into the membership of Grace Baptist Church, signify by saying aye. aye. Opposed the same. Okay, the motion is carried. If you want to uh, just wait in the pew here, and then, then we'll have people come forward and shake your hand after the service is closed. Thank you, Brother Darrell. Brother Tom, can you make your way up here? I'd like for you to close our service with a word of prayer. Brother Tom is a farmer and uh, slip sliding away, I suppose, in this slush. And every spring it's a little more difficult, but we are so, so thankful for him helping us with the music. Let's all stand. And Brother Tom, why don't you close with prayer and welcome aboard, Clinton. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we do praise you and thank you for the beautiful sunshine you've sent today. And Lord, we thank you for this message today. We pray that we would be surrendered to you, to your will for us. We pray for this missionary family. Pray, Lord, they'd get to the field soon to see because the harvest is ripe. Lord, we pray we'd be about your business this week. Remember, as we leave these doors, we're entering the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen.